Hello, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, and design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I bring you a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and and in love. Now let's get in to this week's episode. Hello, U-Turn Podcast. It's Ash, as usual. And today I'm on the show with a woman that is going to be so stimulating, entertaining, and just inspiring for you. Her name is Megan Finale, and she is our finale. It's, you know, we are going through a whole debate. She married into it. And... <laughs> And she's the COO over at Ability, which has an incredible program that you probably remember me talking about, where it's essentially like an MBA in eight weeks. And I think that we just live in a world right now where upskilling is everything and being able to use this weird time in society where job titles of the future don't even exist yet. Like in the next five years, a skill set of yours is going to be obsolete, which is kind of weird to think about. I mean, I studied Al-Qaeda in grad school and nobody talks about them anymore. So it's just the world is moving so fast Mm -hmm. and it is a time to upskill. And so I wanted to bring Megan on to talk about all things career. How do you create a career that you really love? Um, How do you use abilities little, you know, this micro MBA program with such depth to support you? And side note, if you mentioned the U-Turn podcast and you apply for their program, um, you get a 200 dollar tuition credit. So don't forget that while you're listening, it's called invited MBA over at ability. And Megan and I are going to talk about performance, meaningful careers, how to succeed. I saw that she was one of name, one of the top 50 women leaders for Austin in 2022. She lives in Texas. How do we start making these achievements and really loving what we do? Because I think it's really hard to achieve things when you don't enjoy your career. So this was like really a long intro. I told you, Megan, I was short, but here we are. Thank you for coming on the show. (laughs) I'm thrilled to be here, Ashley. Thank you so much. And yeah, I, uh, I am really, I'm one of the lucky ones. I get to wake up every morning and most mornings I am excited to go to work. And I say most, cause I'm human and yeah. we all have those mornings. We don't really want to roll out of bed and I want to be authentic and say, the vast majority of mornings, yeah. I'm really excited to go to work. And, um, and that is a really fun and unique thing. And, uh, I think that that has come over a journey of both self-discovery of what is it that I enjoy doing? And then also pushing myself outside my comfort zone to say, well, how do I try something new? And how do I see if this could be the thing that gets me closer to it instead of being comfortable with something that's just okay. You know, I was looking at your LinkedIn and, you know, how passionate you are about creating teams and making results and collaboration and doing the whole, I call it peopling, you know, just a lot of peopling. Yeah. Yeah. You navigate a lot of personalities with operations. You need to be very detail oriented, which just just based on your excellent haircut right now, I feel like (laughs) you're kind of detail. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But I guess what I'm most curious about is, did you know that you wanted to be in operations or in project management? And what was it that really helped you discover where you belong in your career? 
Yeah. So I actually went and saw a you, Ashley. I had a, an amazing experience with a career coach um, based out of Austin, Texas that helped me find the job I'm in today. But, uh, but really, uh, it started with an amazing opportunity at Whirlpool Corporation. Um, I was actually one of the people who would crawl in and out of dryers to convince people at Lowe's to sell you whatever appliance was on the floor and convince you it was the best one for you to have in your house. And that was my job. And I had a lot of fun with it and then grow, grew my career at Whirlpool. And uh, one of my last favorite jobs there, I had this amazing opportunity to work with recent um, college grads to figure out how they were going to make an impact on the company in the next five years. They weren't hired for the job they were doing straight out of college into the company. They were doing that job to train them how to do their job in five years more effectively and understanding the customer. And what I realized I loved about that job was that I got to help people figure out what they wanted to, to be when they grew up, where, what, what brought them excitement, what brought them joy and um, how they could add immense value. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I hit a point where I just couldn't see how I added value. I, I really struggled um, every day to say, how am I adding value and why am I uniquely suited to do this job and do it well? And so that's what sent me to the career coach. And um, through a series of processes, what the career coach did best for me is give me confidence that I actually did know what I wanted and that there was a career track in what I was, what I was unconsciously curious about, which was, um, development of others. And, um, it was about, um, the love of the details, as you mentioned, uh, event planning and coordination. And through that process of the, um, of the career coach, I ended up at this amazing organization that I'm at today. And so when I started, I took several steps back. I, um, I have a wonderfully supportive husband who said, we got to get you in a place where you're passionate and excited about what you get to do on a daily basis. And you're obviously not right now. So let's, let's start experimenting a bit. And so I took several steps back in my career from leading a team of 20 across seven states being named the top sales manager for Whirlpool for that year, um, in North America to, um, packing boxes and standing in lines at FedEx and shipping things and um, editing Word docs. And um, and I started at the bottom here as a program coordinator. And what that gave me the really unique career opportunity. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. You left an executive level opportunity or like a high level management position at Whirlpool and you started as a coordinator where you are now at Ability. I did. Okay. Yeah. So take me like, what yeah. was the leap there? Because I love how you were saying like, sometimes in our careers, we need to take a step back to take a step forward. And I always say yeah. on this show, like, you know, taking a step back doesn't mean that you're taking a step out, you know? Totally. So 100%. that's pretty bold. What gave you the confidence to do that? Because I think a lot of the times if people are not happy in their career, the number one thing they think is I don't want to just make this huge change. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not happy in that either. And then it's just a mess of me not happy. Um, totally. How did you know this was right for you? And what can you share with everyone who's kind of in that in between where they don't like where they are and they are experimenting and they have an opportunity in front of them and it looks like a step back, but for them, it really might be a step forward. Like what can you share with them? Or is there some questions you asked yourself before you said yes to that role? Yeah. So, um, 
so I knew it wasn't right for me because I just had this pit at the bottom of my stomach for mm-hmm. about six months straight. And it, and I'm a slow mover, but once I get my, my head focused on something, I, I sprint ahead. And so I had a knot at the bottom of my stomach for about six months. And finally I just got to a point where I was like, I've got to listen to this. I've got to listen to the fact that I don't think this is what I want in the long term for my career. And, uh, and so I started to play around with what would it look like if I stayed at Whirlpool and I couldn't find an end game that mm-hmm. excited me. Uh, and so I said, okay, well then how do I choose to make a difference? And I remember sitting at my desk, um, and I realized that I just need to tap into somebody who could help me see through the muck and the emotions to the logical other side. And that's when I involved the career coach. And, um, and that really was a key differentiator for me. And then through the process of gaining clarity and confidence in what I wanted through a series of exercises, with the career coach where we landed on, I either wanted to do training and development or I wanted to do event planning and I would be great at either. And I trusted my capabilities and my skills to be great. That's what gave me the confidence because that's what had me sitting for six months straight was the fear of switching to something else I did not enjoy as much, but I had lost what I had worked eight years to build at Whirlpool, which was a name for myself, which was a reputation, which was credibility. And if I hated what I did, but had that, I was in a better position than switching to a job that I didn't have that, but equally hated what I did. And because if I didn't know what I wanted to do, how was I sure that wasn't going to happen? And it was the career coach that gave me the confidence to figure out, I trust my abilities. I trust my confidence and capabilities. If I switch to this, I know I can be successful. And that's what gave me the confidence to start at the bottom and grow with the company is because I trusted what I knew I was good at and figured out that even if this wasn't the right role that I was switching to as the program coordinator, I knew that it would be a stepping stone towards the right role and that each step takes me in the right direction. And so to remain open. Want to become a better leader, but maybe you don't have the time to enroll in a traditional two-year MBA? The Invited MBA program offers a 12-week mini MBA as an accelerated solution for you to upskill. It's going to allow you to compete in the ever-evolving business world right now. Over 900 global alumni at companies such as GE, Southwest Airlines, Pfizer, Marriott, and Coca-Cola have enhanced their business skills through the Invited MBA program, all for less than $2,000. So the Invited MBA is now enrolling for the fall and spring cohorts looking for aspiring leaders with an interest in business and a strong desire to invest in their own growth and future. So you can request an application now at invitedmba.com. And if you mention the U-Turn podcast in your application, you'll get an extra $200 off. Again, that's invitedmba.com, completely virtual. How can you pass on this? Yeah, I love what you're sharing. And I think, um, I feel like your career is a lot like romantic relationships. And I always make these parallels where what you need to say yes at the beginning of a relationship is so different than what you're going to need in the middle of the relationship. 
as it's going to sustain, to actually have something that stands the test of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what you need towards the end, like you think about a romantic partner in the beginning, you're looking for a spark. You're looking for excitement. You're looking for connection Mm -hmm. in the middle. You're looking for safety. You're looking for security. You're looking for stability. And this is just my own assumptions. And then towards the end, I don't know, like we end up in diapers. So maybe like we're looking for somebody to like, I don't know, change our diaper for us if we're really sick. I have no idea, but (laughs) I feel like, you know, it's like, that's the same thing with your career. What you need from a new job isn't what you might need six months or two years or five years, or in your case, eight years down the line. And Mm -hmm. I love what you say about trusting that pit in your stomach, because what you're really sharing is what I try to share as a keynote speaker, when I'm always traveling and talking Mm -hmm. about intuition is that your body's intelligent. And we were raised in a society where, and I I can't remember what philosopher it was that it was like Sigmund Freud. And then we kind of moved to like, if you can't prove it, it doesn't exist. Mm. And, um, feelings are so nebulous. Whereas Mm -hmm. like, if you really look at life, like your quality of life is about how you feel. And if you don't feel good, it doesn't really matter what you're working towards because that bad feeling is what you're living in. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love what you shared there. Um, okay. So another question is, I know that you're really big on self-awareness and the fact that you hired a coach. Um, and it's funny, like, I guess I I'm called a career coach or expert, but I just feel like an insightful person that's done a lot of work on themselves and not like, I hate these titles, you know, like I'm kind of allergic to totally get that. And I think, I think a coach is anyone in our lives who helps us see some things in a new way. Mm -hmm. I think there are times, um, like my dog can be a coach in that, like if I'm just in a, like a really tough spot and he can shift my mindset. And I think that's at the end of the day, what a great coach is, is they shift your mindset and they help you see new perspectives. And I think there's so many different people in our lives who serve in the role of coach, both formally and informally. And we can do that, that for one another at all, mm-hmm. every moment of every day. Yeah. I think life is your coach. Like there's so many times where we have a question and we're like, man, we need an answer. And sometimes I'll tell clients or friends, like let life give you an answer. Let life be your coach, sit with the question and let life give you an answer. Hold the question. Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes we get a scratch and we think we need to itch it, but sometimes we just need to sit with the scratch and let life share. So I love what you're sharing. And um, another thing that really struck me in your story is your choice to live vulnerably. Um, like being willing to look at yourself, have that self-awareness, be in an experiment, take something new, even if you're confident in it, it's a very vulnerable thing to do. And having hope is one of the most vulnerable things you can do in this world. Like, Mm -hmm. especially if you're disappointed, especially if you're hard, especially if you're not getting your needs or something like that. So, um, what are some of the tools that you bring into your own self-awareness that help you, or that can help anyone listening, um, get to know themselves a little bit better and make make these changes in their life a little more smoothly. Yeah, I think that so building off of something you just said, Ashley, I would say first is when you listen to your gut, balance it against um, a tangible evidence. That doesn't mean that the gut isn't right or wrong if you can't prove it, but it should be a guiding light and then balance it against what you what you can prove and what you can figure out and then intentionally move forward there and figure out how you bring those two ways of thinking together to make the best decisions mm. and, um, and how that kind of plays in is also to the line around um, is 
being okay, being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite quotes is a Tony Robbins quote that says your success in life equates to the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. And I think that uncomfortable conversation represents uncomfortable situations, uncomfortable conversations, moments of being outside of what feels normal and nice um, to broaden your spectrum of what can feel normal and nice. And one way um, to invite that in is to also um, stay in a moment of growth mindset consistently. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have an MBA, um, despite my mom's uh, badgering and requests and um, and follow-up requests. Uh, and basically the reason I chose not to pursue it is I saw, I see value. I continue to see value in an MBA education, but I don't see it with the price tag typically associated with it in the six figures. And so there's gotta be a better way, right? And how I chose to tackle it was from a perspective of staying in the growth mindset, removing the um the right or the wrong like when you make mistakes instead of making yourself wrong for making that mistake and spiraling into wherever you spiral when you get frustrated at failure instead of that just say okay this is it's not right or wrong that this happened but how am i going to move forward from it and where do we go from there and i think that has served me exceptionally well over the years as i continue to hone that mindset around saying it just is this is it now, what do I do with, with what I've got and where do I go from here? And, um, and that's wildly uncomfortable in a world where we talk about success and failure. We talk about right and wrong is to just create the space for yourself to say, what comes next? Yeah. What do I do next? And how am I going to take and learn from this? Um, my CEO and I laugh a lot because he talks about failure a lot. And I don't consider it a failure unless we didn't learn from anything. Did we miss the goal? Okay. That's what we did. But did we learn from it? Are we going to be closer to hitting the goal next time? Do we yeah. need to learn about goal setting from the process? But if we've learned something, we didn't completely fail. We missed yeah. the mark. And now we got to get back on, get back on it and figure out how to move forward. Mm, so good. And, um, I know that a lot of people, I think one of the mistakes that we can make is in the in-betweens, the in-between times, I think most of life is actually in between most of life we're in transition, you know, that's just the nature of being human. Yes. I think this experience and the in-between times are the most vulnerable ones because I feel like people can grab for things that they don't actually want so that they feel a sense of grounding or they feel mm -hmm. a sense of security, even if it's mm -hmm. false. Um, and so I just want to name that because it sounds like you took that time to really reflect and you didn't just grab onto something and turn your, your career into this like trial and error hurricane. Mm -hmm. Instead you sat and the ability to sit without grabbing is such a skill. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like there's three lily pads in people's careers. Like the first one is just like, you don't know who you are. You don't know what you want. Mm -hmm. You're experimenting. A lot yeah. of people hang out right there. Yeah. I try to get people to swim over to the second one with my book, which is about like, how do you figure out your gift? How do you figure out where your skills are? And if I can get someone there, I feel like I've done my job because once you're on that lily pad and that the swim from lily pad one to two, it can take a while, right? Like going mm -hmm. from experimenting to locking into this yeah. is my gift. Yeah. And your gifts are big umbrellas. Like my gift is communication and it can look like many different things in, a, in my career um, or as job titles. And so it's interesting because I think once you're locked in with your gift, 
life becomes a filtering game. It becomes a game of yes versus no. People notice your talent. They notice your skills. Everybody wants people who are gifted at what they do, who like what they do. Yeah. And I feel like opportunities can be such a distraction sometimes if you pick the wrong ones, if you just totally. grab onto something. Mm-hmm. So, and then obviously I think the third lily pad is like Dharma, which most people don't usually make it to unless they really, um, put their hearts and souls into their career. So yeah. I'm curious, like what is one of the biggest tools that you have been imparted, whether it's through your coaching conversations or advice through life, um, that you use on an ongoing basis that has just been really huge for your career growth. I believe that a quality business education should be accessible to everyone. I also believe that you don't need $100,000 or a two-year degree to succeed in business. So that's why I'm so excited to partner with the Invited MBA program on this episode. The Invited MBA is a virtual, equitable, affordable, and comprehensive solution to leveling up your career and your business acumen in just 12 weeks. Whether you're a new mom, a teacher leaving the classroom, a veteran, an entrepreneur, or you just want to up your leadership skills, the Invited MBA offers a 12-week mini MBA as an accelerated solution for less than $2,000. And they traded out lectures for real life, hands-on projects, and actual simulations. It's super easy to get started. Request an application now at invitedmba.com. And if you mention the U-Turn podcast, you'll get an extra $200 off. Again, that's invitedmba.com. Listen, be a good listener. Um, What I'll say, I heard someone recently say that just about every business school is going to teach presentation skills, but only 10% of business schools teach you how to listen. Um, and as we were told as kids, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? And how are you listening from those around you to both continue to learn from them, but also to hear the opportunities that might not be directly spoken. Um, one of the things that I'm so thankful for when I took the step back to program coordinator um, I, is I became an observer. I went from being a leader and out in front consistently to, to being um, being on the team and being the worker bee. And it allowed me to observe and see and, and look at where are the places where there's a huge opportunity, but nobody's tackling it. Or where do I have a unique skill set that I know I possessed that I um, that isn't being utilized and I can give here that I can raise my hand or I can offer it in a different way. And, um, and that comes from listening, because um, the one thing I figured out, this was 2013 is uh, there this there was just the tiniest appetite appetite for virtual training. It was and we had one client at that point who really wanted us to figure it out. And everybody was super overworked. The bandwidth was really tight. And here I was this like helper who was really hungry to show what I was capable of doing. And so I took on that project as a side project with an okay for my boss. She probably wasn't expecting much, understandably so. And I just had a lot of fun making that my personal project. And here we sat before the pandemic hat um, hit in 2020 at Ability, and we were doing 20, uh, 30% of our trainings virtually across the globe because of what I was able to contribute in this tiny way in 2013 that then became the thing I championed for the organization that then grew and grew to the point where right before the pandemic, 30% of the deliveries we did 
were virtual. And then when the pandemic hit and everyone wanted to deliver virtually, we had this amazing foundation. We didn't have to rework things like a lot of organizations in our industry. And we just took off after that. Mm-hmm. And that was a great, and that's, that's the truth about business, which is a little bit of luck and a whole lot of hard work. And that was a, a perfect example of that, um, of that, mm-hmm. but, um, but that's one key way that I was able to really make a difference by listening and seeking out where I could really add value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be one thing is often when we start new jobs or new opportunities, we want to prove to everyone the value that we add. And so we might speak up to add our voice and and whatnot. And I would say, don't underestimate the power of just authentic, engaged, active listening. Mm, it's so powerful. I actually, when I got my master's in psychology, the first weekend, the principle we were focused on was heart-centered listening. Mm. And we had to share with people and the other person's job was simply to listen. And the amount of tears people would cry when they were truly listened to and truly present with was just so profound to see. So not only that, I don't think we get a lot of presence in today's world. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at how much screen time you're using, it's pretty mind-blowing. And I also want to point out, um, I mean, you're a woman and you are probably, I don't know if you're anything like me, I've had to balance like my feminine energy and my masculine energy Mm -hmm. in my career. Very much. Um, And I think listening and receptivity is such a feminine energy sort of quality. Um, How do you balance, especially as a COO, and a lot of people are doing a lot in their career. Mm -hmm. um, How do you balance the doing versus the being like, Um, How do you keep your energy? Like, how do you come home and kind of, or if you're working from home, how do you shake it off after five, six or 7 PM and get back into your being? Like, what are some of your energy management tools um, or just energy tools in general for yourself to stay well and be you? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Um, I had the wonderful opportunity to attend and the last Tony Robbins um, date with destiny before the pandemic hit. And there was a lot of conversation about the balancing of the masculine and feminine energy. And, uh, and I had a lot of fun trying on a lot of those strategies um, over the last two years. And what I would say is that it's a, it's a very intentional mind shift. So when I was going into the office, I was going through some very specific rituals pre pandemic as some people are starting to do that again. And I would listen to a very specific playlist on the drive home. And I wouldn't let myself do work calls on the way home because that's when I was shifting my mindset back into how I wanted to be and the energy I wanted to bring um, into my marriage and my family. Um, and um, and that's a very different energy than I'm typically bringing in the workplace that's allowed me to 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 be successful and and see some success. And then um, as the pandemic hit, I had to shift some of those rituals and it really is a place of uh, there's a, there's a breathing to it, right? There is a intentionality of, of closing at a, as at a specific time each day. Um, And I am a ritualistic person. So I have a beautiful and wonderful 20 month old daughter And I am the one who gets to pick her up at the end of the day. And my husband and I set it up in that way because that ritual of closing the computer, heading to daycare, picking her up, reminding myself like what is most important in the world. And and I am one of those people. I love what I do. So I work 
constantly. I'm connected to my phone constantly. But also in that moment, when I pick her up from daycare and we come home together and we go through our evening routine, I'm able to remind myself of what's most important. And those moments in in the presence piece is consistently reminding myself that this moment is a moment. Mm -hmm. It is a moment. Like my mom always said to me as a kid, this too shall pass. And, Mm -hmm. um, and my way of, of flipping that is I get this moment only once. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and so in these moments where I'm, I'm, my daughter might be losing it or like the, my slack's blowing up and I really need to be dealing with it, but I'm having this moment with my daughter. I have these opportunities to say, I only get this one moment. What do I choose in this moment? And um, and it gives me that right frame of mind to say, what do I choose? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the presence. Um, the presence piece is not getting lost in time because mm-hmm. time is the only thing we truly can't get back. We can get money back. We can get all of the things back. Time is the only thing we can't get back. And if we consistently remind ourselves, I only get this moment, how do I want to spend it? I think that's what keeps me front of mind as I, as I'm faced with those choices in each moment. I love what you shared earlier about taking initiative on a project. It reminds me of an episode of the show really early on, like one of the first 10 episodes, like five years ago or something. It was Dan Cable and he's an expert and a professor in the UK on job crafting, which is taking a job that you feel medium about or even you like and deciding what's missing and taking the initiative to make a project out of it and turning your career into something based off of that. So those of you who are inspired, obviously upskilling with abilities, invited MBA. Don't forget to mention U-Turn podcast to get $200 off. It's incredibly affordable, incredibly deep. I just think it's really awesome what they're doing. Um, And also check out that job crafting episode. And then we also have an episode with a woman who I love. Um, She went to Harvard, Jessica Winterstern, and she studied under the world leader in love. And uh, his name was Rick. I can't remember the last name, but she now works in masculine, feminine energy, polarity. Mm-hmm. And um, Jessica Winterstern was on the uh, podcast talking about that shift that you were pretty much sharing yeah. as you drive in the car, which is so important. It's like, okay, so I'm hearing a lot of really positive mindset. I know that Tony Robbins date with destiny event is one of his best. And I really want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you feel like you're still very much so a work in progress? Where do you feel like I don't have this down yet. And and what are you doing about that thing to kind of, um, I don't know, strengthen? One thing that I really loved about my career here at Ability is the, um, the support and belief that I've gotten from the broader team. And like, Megan can do this. Megan's got this. Like, Megan's got my back. And I've always really appreciated it, including it coming from our CEO. And I recognize there's a lot of areas where I have the opportunity to continue to build my skill sets. And so I'll walk into a meeting with these amazing people that have Harvard MBAs and work for McKinsey Consulting for years. And here I am staring at a spreadsheet of financial numbers. And I'm trying to figure out like, how do I not overcompensate for what I don't know right now? But then also, how do I still add value in this conversation? And it comes down to two things. One, it comes down to mindset. If I acknowledge that I don't know everything and I don't try to overcompensate to prove to somebody else, that I know something that I don't, 
then I'm a more authentic um, listener. I'm more present in the conversation and I can find the ways that I can add value. And so, um, so getting out of my own way in those conversations to be okay with what I don't know and finding the ways that I can add value. Um, and so that's, that's one place I'm a work in progress is continuing that to build that confidence that it's okay. I don't know everything, but what can I add to this conversation? And then what am I going to do about the things that I don't know? How am I going to build it in a way that allows me to continue to build into my strengths? Cause I'm a big believer on strengths-based leadership, build your strengths. Don't focus on your weaknesses, but to be a great leader, you have to figure out how to fill the gaps and how to not trip your way through the things you aren't good at. Um, and it's either surrounding yourself by the people that counterbalance you and challenge your thinking, but they also elevate it because they fill in your gaps, which means they're going to point out where you don't know the things all the time, which means you have to consistently be in the right mindset to for that to be an amazing um, partnership, which I'm very thankful to have. Um, uh, but two, I think you also have to know enough to ask the right questions. And one place where I'm, I'm continuing to still be a work in progress is to, um, is to challenge myself to learn enough to know how to ask the right questions because that builds my confidence. And when I don't know all of the things that also ensures that, um, that I know how to add, um, add value to a conversation and, um, and it's, really helpful in opening the conversation for the other people I'm with um, is because uh, it really opens up and has people consider things through a new lens. Mm -hmm. And to do those types of things, I have to get base level knowledge. I have to understand and the basic forms, what things are so I can participate. And I have the language of the conversation. um, And I know how to ask the right question to move us all forward um, in the right way in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I love what you shared just about kind of feeling like you're around like the McKinsey, you know, these sorts of people. Cause for me, having been in the Pentagon, like I managed people who had arguably a better education than I did or looked better on paper than I did. And it was a huge insecurity for me. And in a lot of ways that insecurity drove me to achieve a lot. Cause I was so terrified of being found out and everybody has their stuff, right? Like Maybe your stuff is that you miss a spot and you're not that detail oriented or you're, or you're perfect. And that's your stuff. That's the thing to work on. So it's kind of just like, it doesn't really end, but I know that the invited MBA is like a 12 week mini MBA Mm -hmm. and very accelerated to kind of allow people right now to compete in this business world that's evolving so fast. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know you have alumni at companies like GE or Southwest or Pfizer, Marriott, Mm Coca-Cola, the list goes on and it's less than $2,000. And of course, with the $200 off that they're getting from the U-Turn podcast, that's amazing. Um, what is it about this program that you think is really, Um, special to you, like as someone who is putting it out there, seeing people go through it during such a time where upskilling is everything. um, What do you feel like it's doing that really is so different in the market? I think it's surprising people and what they're capable of um, at a price point that doesn't have them look back and question whether it was the right thing to do. I think that it reminds people that they are capable of doing more than they realize they're capable of. 
What I love at the core of the Invited MBA is our experiential learning. So we have these amazing competitive real world simulations that you play with a partner and you learn from one another as you're competing. Every decision one team makes directly impacts the outcomes of the other teams. And we do three different ones throughout the 12 weeks. Why I am a huge believer in experiential learning is because I think you self-realize that you knew more than you gave yourself credit for as you go through that simulation experience. And so you walk away surprising yourself with what you did know. And equal to that, you get excited about what you get to continue to learn and build from rather than looking at those gaps as holding you back. You see what you need to fill to move forward and where you're out to go. And you, you're self-realizing those as we're having the conversations of well, why did you make that decision that you made um, with your teammate? And what decision could you have made differently? And ah, what how interesting this team made this decision and got that result. What do you think about that? And mm-hmm. you're going, Oh, I never even considered that before. Like maybe I should have done that um, too. And how does that relate back to what I do on a daily basis and how I do it and um, in my real job and what I'm out to do? And what if I were to apply that thinking or that decision-making process to my real job and my real career, how much further could I get along? And so it's the self-realization of what's possible on the other side of it through amazing like expert instruction, but also so powerfully the self-realization throughout the journey. Mm, I love this. And I know there's so many questions I could ask you. My, my final question, unless there's something you want to share that I haven't asked is who's the best leader you've ever met and why, like, who are you most inspired by? What is it that they're doing that you think makes them amazing leader? Hmm. kind of a big question. That is a big question. Um, I could even start while you think for me. Okay. Yeah. So funny on this podcast, I had so many little careers in my twenties before I really went into entrepreneurship like 10, 12 years ago, but, um, the best leader I've ever been around is the CSO. I don't know if he's still the CSO, but he was the CSO of Caterpillar chief security officer, Tim Williams. Um, Fun fact, I reported to him for a while. Nobody really knows that. Um, (laughs) And he was really, really inspiring because he was quiet. So like you said, he was like listening and people were always kind of jockeying for his attention. And he was so grounded, so receptive, and everybody felt emotionally safe to share around him. He Mm. never made anyone feel like what they had to say wasn't valuable or meaningful And I think that emotional safety is what so many of us crave in such an unstable time in the workforce and in the world as a whole. Uh, That's great. I think one of the best leaders I worked for was a previous manager um, at um, at Ability. Mm -hmm. And he had an amazing job of making you feel a part of of the purpose of the organization um, engaged in solutioning. Um, it was okay to make mistakes, which made us even more committed to not making them, um, because we had that trust. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, um, you knew you were seen around him. You knew that he was in your corner and was going to do whatever it took. And his energy 
got me personally excited to have great energy. Like the energy he brought had me excited to bring great energy. And because of that, I feel like we created this really amazing momentum as a team, Mm -hmm. both um, becoming cohesive as a team, but also aspiring to do great, not just for him, but for the organization as a whole. Mm-hmm. I love this so much. Thank you so much for coming onto the show from Ability and just taking the time and everyone um, be sure to apply for Invited MBA if you're inspired. It's affordable, it's deep and get your 200 off by mentioning us. And thanks again, Megan. Thank you. Really appreciated it. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week.